Welcome to this episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology to fit their needs. In this episode, I'll be talking with Nat McDonald, product manager at TestFit, about his experience transitioning from design engineering into tech and how he believes software, computational design, and artificial intelligence can assist engineers in the AEC industry in the future. Before we jump in, a word from our sponsor for this episode, Shingle. Get back in the office now. And sorry, we're not going to have a fully remote policy. You've got to come in. Wait just a second. If you've ever thought, I kind of like working full-time remote. I know what I'm doing. I work independently. All my work is on my computer. Why do I need to drive to the office every day? If only there was some sort of alternative. Surprise, you're going to want to know about a new technology company called Shingle. Are you an engineer that has an interest in entrepreneurship? Have you ever thought about stepping out on your own as an engineer or making some additional income with your engineering skills? Are you tired of moving and uprooting your life for a new job or battling an unnecessary commute? Would you like to be an engineer on your own terms? Shingle is an online marketplace where PEs can find and remotely engage with AE firms in the Shingle network that need their services as a consultant. The platform is specifically built for PEs and CAD professionals in architecture and engineering that want to move in the direction of entrepreneurship, work as much as they want, and have the freedom to work where they choose. Shingle wants the consultants to succeed and provides resources to get their companies up and running quickly. Get started on your road to entrepreneurship and engineering by going to shingleit.com. Again, that's shingleit.com and join the community today. Shingle, we work differently. Welcome, Matt. Great to have you here with us today. Happy to be here. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do on a daily basis? I am a product manager at TestFit. TestFit is an automated feasibility software used by architects or civil engineers and real estate developers. And my job there is basically as a product manager to talk to customers, figure out their issues with their current workflows and kind of how TestFit can improve those. So I'll talk with customers, kind of get an idea of like, this is what a feature product should look like. And then I will work with our software development team to build that out, release it, and then kind of keep track of how it's doing and improve it along the way. I'm a, like a hub between a lot of different things going on at TestFit, I guess. Which is really cool to see because we know, as we were talking a little bit earlier, right, your background is actually in mechanical engineering, but now it sounds like you've kind of transitioned into a role where you use that background to then talk to stakeholders, customers, et cetera, and then kind of use that to inform decisions, software development, et cetera, at TestFit, right? So I was a uh, mechanical engineer for about eight years before TestFit licensed and whatnot. I worked at probably three different firms. And at TestFit now, I'm not you know, using that hardcore engineering knowledge right now, but more of the knowledge of the building design process, um, how tech gets implemented at firms, basically using that to talk with those customers and I'll talk to a customer and I go in it. I will assume I know nothing about what they do. And then I'll hopefully be able to come out of it with, okay, this is how you design a multifamily residential building of this type in this market or an industrial building or different things like that. 
So yeah, that's kind of what I do with TestFit right now. Could you elaborate a little bit more on like what exactly TestFit is and how it's helping industry professionals in AEC? Usually it's best to show this visually, but since it's a podcast, uh, I'll try to communicate with words as best as possible. What it is, is you pull up TestFit. It looks like Google Maps, basically. You select a piece of land that as a real estate developer, you're thinking of building on, or as a civil engineer, a client, a real estate developer came to you asking, you know, how much parking can I put here or anything like that. And basically within 10, 30 minutes or something, depending on how complex you want to make it, you can get a feasibility study for that piece of land. So we started about five years ago with multifamily residential. And the idea is, you know, you can figure out here are the number of units I have in this building. Here are the three bedrooms, two bedrooms, hitting a certain mix, also hitting your parking at the same time. And that quick response allows you basically to determine like, this is what can be placed on the land and it's going to work out, or, you know, I need to go get another piece of land, or here are three options that I can give to my real estate developer for this parking garage or whatnot. So everything occurs very fast. Also, it's all real time. So as you're changing setbacks on your piece of land or changing your parking ratio, most of our solves occur within 20 milliseconds. So it's very quick. It's instantaneous to see, okay, this is how changing this parameter changes everything else. We have um, a few different, can we call them configurators or solvers within TestFit? We started with multifamily residential. So if you do podiums, wraps, surface parks, things, uh, anything like that, garden buildings, we have those as well as some lower density options like subdivisions, um, townhomes, row homes, that kind of thing, as well as uh, an industrial product that we rolled out. So yeah, that's kind of what TestFit is. Whether there was software involved or not, or if it was all done by hand, right? What you're talking about that can be done in a matter of minutes by TestFit, I'm assuming took a magnitude of order longer, right? Perhaps days. Can you elaborate a little bit more on like that time savings that TestFit provides? Even if you just look at a parking lot, right? Like I think everyone can kind of relate to having to draw a parking lot or count the number of stalls to make sure that you're hitting your parking ratio. If you're doing that in AutoCAD right now, you know, it's going to take like, I don't know, a few hours or something. And, you know, if some change occurs, you have to go back and do that. Our solver is, you know, occurring in 20 milliseconds. So it's as fast as you can draw the outline of that shape and it's going to place it. And that's just kind of with parking. The fact that we tie our residential units to our parking stalls and then basically maximize the space for both of those things, like a feasibility study that could take you three days or something with three options, we can do five options in an hour or something. It's orders of magnitude faster at this point. Which is a great thing, right? For firm owners, for asset owners, because you know, you as someone who might be thinking about making an investment in a piece of software like TestFit might be concerned about the price of the, the software, the training, the implementation, right? But what speaks volumes is that order of magnitude of time saved, because if let's say you just don't have the manpower on staff to be generating five different feasibility options within the span of a couple of days. Well, if you have someone who knows what they're doing and can get linked up with the team at TestFit, right? It sounds like you can reduce that amount of time spent by a lot, which is huge, right? And really brings the value of software to the table. Yeah. And generally the way we currently do our subscription model, if you're doing like 
two to five test fits a year, like you're probably paying it off on time savings alone. We're also kind of experimenting with um, some different business models for small firms where if you only want to use TestFit once a year or something, you're kind of only going to be paid for that amount and not a full subscription. So it gives firm owners a lot of options in kind of what they can do. We've talked a little bit about TestFit, right? The value that it can bring to civil engineers, architects, right? But what I'm interested in that is kind of this transition that you've made from a mechanical engineering background into the, the tech side of things, right? Like how did that happen and how's it been going so far? Like I said, I'd been a licensed engineer for eight years before kind of making the jump into tech. I think what how it kind of happened was at these three different firms that I worked at, I worked one that had, you know, 30 people, 800 people, and 1,100 people or something. And what I found pretty consistently was that the business models of engineering firms aren't that conducive to innovating the process or like the actual product that they're producing, right? Like the product isn't necessarily the building, but the product is their service. While I was at those firms, I would do some coding, some computational design that would, you know, attempt to improve some of those processes. So instead of doing a, I designed clean rooms for one of these firms, instead of for like large biotech manufacturing buildings, instead of doing these pressurization calculations between all these different connected rooms, like I created this script that would do it automatically. And that saved a lot of time, but the business model of bill per hour to the client doesn't really, like you can't really bill that time to the client. So it's always, a, you've always got to fight for that quite a bit. And so basically I kind of was looking in the AEC tech realm of, what companies were doing things. And I found TestFit. I followed them for a year or so and I was just kind of amazed with like this idea of a different business model, like attempting to improve that process that not many people were focusing on. So two years ago, I decided I'm going to do this, make this jump into tech. And it's been a lot of fun since. I think the big thing about it is you can focus on a product and constantly be revising it. It's almost as, as if like, if you were in an engineering firm and you know you were designing a building or a site, you were just constantly improving that building and site. As you know, a software company, we can just focus on this product and say, all right, let's make sure we have a feedback loop. Let's maintain it. Let's improve the UI so that every bit of it is constantly improving. That's been a lot of fun. And I've been able to do like, since it's a startup uh, right now, TestFit, we have, I think, 29 employees. I started when we were about 10. And kind of through that growth, you get to do a lot of different things. So that's also a lot of fun. It's a great point to your story, Nat, because as engineers, right, we may think we are not necessarily pigeonholed, right? But we have this degree and we want to use it to either say do you know HVAC design or structural engineering, right? But there are so many options out there as your story has told. So to the audience, right, if you're looking for something perhaps that you know, relies on your current skill set that's different than what you're doing. Just take a look at what's out there at firms like TestFit, right? Because there are a lot more options available to us as AEC professionals for sure. Yeah. And I think one of the hesitations I had of quote unquote going to tech was I'm no longer just design engineer. I'm not doing engineering anymore. And that was initially an issue I had with it. But after a while, like I kind of came around to this idea that Engineering isn't just doing drawings and schedules and calculations in like that traditional firm approach. Now, like 
yes, I'm not creating those specific buildings, but I'm helping design algorithms and procedures that still take all that design knowledge into account, right? It's like, how do you place the largest square for a industrial building on an odd shaped site? That's still something that would be design knowledge that you would need when you're actually doing that for a physical site. And now it's just kind of a different way to solve that problem with code. So I think that has been helpful for me to say, you know, I'm still in the design world. I'm still an engineer. It's just going about it a different way. What you're really doing at TestFit, right, is you're allowing those professionals and in the case of like a parking lot, right, instead of them having to, you know, draw the outline of a lot and draw the line striping for the stalls and then count the stalls, right? You're essentially automating that work away and allowing that design professional to focus on higher value tasks, right? Which is the whole point of software and really makes better use of their skill set, right? So it's kind of cool because you're now you're enabling tens, hundreds, thousands of professionals to do their jobs better. It's really making it faster. Like we're a new version of a calculator, basically, like, or an Excel spreadsheet. We're just doing the things that you don't want to do much quicker. So instead of having to design that parking lot for, you know, days on end or whatnot, you can focus on something that's more important and that takes more deep thought than drawing and counting some lines. Let's jump back to the topic of computational design, right? So my understanding of computational design, right, it's this design process that you could do manually or you could use a computer, maybe some algorithms and software, but also artificial intelligence, right? So that all combined and maybe give us a little more background on, on all of that as you see it, right? But how do you believe that's going to all assist engineers rather than replace them? We talk with customers day in and day out, and a lot of them say, you know, like, you're trying to replace my job or, you know, this is going to take over the world. And TestFit will absolutely not take over the world. It's a bunch of if statements and some else statements. And I apologize to my software development team for saying that, but that's like at the core of it, you know, kind of what it is. There, it is nothing without the actual user. And so I think a good metaphor for it is, and I'm stealing this from my colleague, Kyle, the Iron Man suit versus the Terminator. People think we are the Terminator, that it can do everything. It will do everything automatically and replace everyone. And we're really the Iron Man suit. It's giving people superpowers that they didn't have before. Being able to count 1,368 parking stalls in 20 milliseconds. It's just improving their ability to do that. So this is a thing we'll always have to worry about. I mean, in the AC industry, we've always had to worry about, will this replace us? And it's no technology has ever replaced engineers before or architects. It's really just allowing them to do more things better and faster. We have this exact kind of discussion with, I have it with colleagues, I've had it with other guests on the show. And and it's kind of interesting because if you also think about the way the laws are structured, right? Like there always needs to be some human design professional behind any output that's put on a set of drawings or into a model, right? Supported by TestFit or other software. So even there, right? Like the law literally does not allow humans to be replaced. And that's just one of the many things that I think is still going to keep humans relevant in design for a long time, that and the fact that we're designing spaces for other humans. So I think that also plays a, a big factor into all of this. A lot of younger engineers will say, you know, should I get my PE? Like, is it worth it? Even if I do want to go into tech or something. And I generally say like, yes, do that. Like it is 
very useful to have that not only for something that you can always go into a traditional firm and do, but at some point, some of these things, there could be an algorithm that is with your stamp on it so that you know if some calculation comes through when it goes through this code, then you can just stamp that. So yeah, I think it's really just better, faster calculator with TestFit or AI in general. And you know, AI is, there's a whole spectrum of what actually falls on it. What tool do you think has the brightest future based on what you've seen? And then how can professionals in AEC start using that tool or tools um, kind of based on what you've seen talking to customers and, and the development of TestFit? I'm obviously very biased towards TestFit. I you know, put my chips down on it to uh, for part of my career. So obviously, if people are interested in TestFit, they should check it out. There's a lot of good companies coming out. I think specifically with software, it's less so a specific company and kind of the business models they're working off of. The engineering you know, startups that will be really cool to watch is basically those that are like changing the model of the existing firm. So right now we're billing for the hour and you know, a firm is kind of generalized for any type of civil or mechanical engineering or structural, whatever. I think some really interesting startups will be the ones that say, we're going to make this focus just on one product. You know, we specialize in multifamily residential designing heat pumps, and we can do hundreds of projects a year, probably tech enabled with some sort of software. But I think that that's particularly where I'm interested in seeing the AAC industry go. There's tons of good startups out there, Hypar, Enscape. There's a bunch of them out there. They're all very cool. Another thing would be kind of modular, like how modular t- adopts tech to be able to say like, you know, this is our product, we make this one thing and it does it well. I think that was part of what Katera did wrong was they focused on too many things. Like the idea of verticalization, productization in AEC is fantastic, but Katera was like, we're gonna do all this stuff. And it's actually like, just pick one of those things, do it well, and that's all you have to do. That's kind of a half answer of some cool things with tech, but yeah, it's kind of in general, the change in business model. That's really interesting because, I mean, we both know how complex and nuanced design and construction can be. So do you see it as when you started talking about modularization of very specific pieces that make a building go together, right? I started thinking of the trades, right? A plumber, an electrician, carpenter, right? Which they're on the construction side and they actually put buildings together. But do you see something similar on the design and tech side where I specialize in these heat pumps or I specialize in other like a very specific building component, or do you have something different in mind? In terms of mechanical, for me, the easiest way to think of it is an engineer that just says, you know what, we're doing VRF systems for multifamily residential. It's going to be between 100 units and 350 units. We can cover many different states with our stamp, like, and that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. And they kind of stay in that lane because I think it's very easy for firms right now because it's bill per hour business model to say, oh, we have some retail work that we can do. Let's pull that in. And But that kind of takes away from the focus and it becomes much more of a, how many people can we have working on this problem than how much tech can we enable this to scale? And it's interesting because that hourly business model was likely born out of the constraints in essentially like technology and having better calculators at the time but now you have a model which is based on maybe some outdated assumptions, right? Where 
for what TestFit provides. Maybe you don't build that by the hour, but the end product still gets done a lot quicker. So it is exciting. This is something I think about too, where the whole business model of what a firm is doing can be changed pretty drastically just depending on what they do and then what software and technology is available to them. Yeah. And it's interesting because I also, you know, if it's a spectrum of engineering firm on the left with it's just bill per hour work, and then on the right is a purely software company that offers no services or anything like that, you know, pay per year or something like that. There's this point in the middle where either of those companies could go, which is, you know, the engineering firm could kind of be more tech focused, or also the software firm can say people aren't adopting the software fast enough, or we just, know how to use the software so well that can actually go back towards kind of the middle of the spectrum. And now it's a software company, not only selling software, but also providing some type of service with that based around that tech. So it's very cool to see the options for firms and software companies right now that they can kind of, if they want to go one way or the other, they can. And to the audience, right? Like, again, just going back to that list of options that you have is if you're just a traditional design firm, there's technology out there to enable you to do your job better. But if you're maybe an individual who thinks they have an idea, right, that could help other firms, you can go out and either, you know, work with a developer or or do some yourself that you can provide perhaps that service using your engineering or AEC background, right? So there are a lot of options available. And just kind of speaking of development as like a, you know, a person and a professional, right? Let's talk like networking, communities, et cetera, right? Which I'm actually interested to hear kind of your take from the tech side, but how does getting involved in like a community or a network help you grow in your career from your point of view? Going to in-person things, it just opens up your world and career. Like that has completely changed my career. Being able to just go and talk with people and hear what they're working on. And I think it also gives a good perspective of like, my small issue that I really care about in my office actually isn't that big of an issue in the AEC world or something. There's these much bigger issues. And if I can attempt to solve that, then that will you know, help the industry as a whole or something like that. So I think really just it expands what you think of as your career. Um, it certainly helped me to be like, okay, yeah, tech is still design. Like I can go do this and still have this like design engineering ideas behind it. And, you know, meet those people that are doing that. So I highly encourage any, especially like younger engineers, if it's ASHRAE or your civil engineering society or a tech-focused architecture group, there's a lot in many major cities uh, that do meetups and stuff like that. So you can convince your your company to send you to a, a conference or something like that. It's always helpful. I'll actually give a shout out to, so it's the Structural Engineers Institute, which is a subset of the American Society of Civil Engineers. And there's a task group, the Committee for Digital Design. It's a task group focused solely on application of digital design to structural engineering, which is really exciting. And, you know, I've sat in on a couple of meetings to this point because it's cool to see like other people, even if they're not working on the same exact problem as you are, that it's related in some way, shape or form, right? You have people to bounce ideas off of network, et cetera. And I'll also throw a shout out to the AEC community on LinkedIn and how much I've just learned just by being on there, being active, engaging with other people, right? About both the industry, but also the applications of technology to the industry as well. I'm really happy to hear about like the the structural engineering, like tech group. And I think a lot of the engineering societies or architect, you know, AIA, those kind of things, 
are starting to recognize more and more that this is something that should be adopted. Like we should be talking about sharing. Really cool to hear that, you know, multiple societies are doing this and, you know, there's something out there for everyone. And I think with time, as we know, right, change, especially in AEC, just takes time that a lot of these kind of propositions from a business standpoint, as I'm sure you guys can pull some examples out of your hat, right? Just they become undeniable about how technology is doing good for the industry. And at some point, right, these industry organizations can't really ignore what's going on and have to provide support to their members in that way. At this point, technology is a key point in every engineer's workflow. Um, And so it only makes sense that those societies are keeping their their members informed and kind of assisting or progressing that technology with those working groups and things like that. One way I've seen, you know, to the audience, right, especially if you're earlier in your career and you think all this technology and what's going on is fascinating, right? It is not that difficult to become the expert in something like TestFit or these other technologies on the market and drive a lot of value to your firm, especially at a young age, right? Where maybe your contributions wouldn't have been as accelerated, but now you have the skill that many others in your firm either don't have an interest in, don't know about, or simply just don't have the time to learn. Yeah. And it really, all it takes is like the smallest amount of initiative to say like, Hey, I think this is, I have this problem in the firm. And I think this piece of technology or workflow solves that and being able to take that on to to your own. And I think a big part of tech implementation in the firms is recognizing like, it's not only can this script, you know, solve this problem that we have, but how do we scale it in the firm? Uh, How do we make sure there's a feedback loop from the users within the firm? to set, to, you know, see that, okay, you know, this is working well, this isn't, but most importantly, giving you metrics of this is how much time is being saved or money, because you need to be able to take that to, you know, your firm leaders, executives, whatnot, and say, yes, this is worth our investment. You know, you are saving money because of this, because without those hard numbers, it's, I've certainly fought that fight before. It's really hard without those numbers to say like, this is worth investing in going against that bill for the hour business model. It was a brief episode on how to run a software pilot in your firm, right? And that is absolutely a critical piece, just understanding how business decisions are made and then what you are proposing kind of fits into that framework. So to anyone that's interested in more, can't remember what episode it is, but if you look through the lineup, more information there if you're interested. But Nat, it's been great getting to talk to you and know you a little bit more. Any final pieces of advice, words of wisdom for the audience? The main thing that, you know, I've been learning in my kind of journey through engineering in AEC is kind of like what you said is you don't have to feel pigeonholed into, you know, you have these hard skills as an engineer and, you know, that's what you do. Really, there's this broader knowledge that you have that can be applied to a bunch of different things. And, you know, if that's going into tech or going into the owner side or, you know, really anything outside of your typical design firm, just everyone should be open to that and have that as an option. Cause it certainly, you know, kind of allows you to try different things, progress the career that you want. Where can our listeners and audience find you, right? If they have any more questions kind of about either test fit or your transition from design engineering to tech, what's the best place to contact you at? 
People can just message me on LinkedIn, uh, Nat MacDonald. Email if you want to reach out, nat at testfit.io. Um, I'm also on Twitter a bit, although less lately with the whole Elon Musk stuff going on. Just reach out on LinkedIn and uh, happy to chat anytime with anyone. At the end of every episode, right, we make a similar offer. Here at EMI, we're here to help you achieve your goals, particularly me as it relates to use of technology. So if you have any questions, please reach out to Nat, reach out to myself or any of the folks at EMI. We are definitely here to help. But Nat, thank you again for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Nick, for having me. This is wonderful. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors.